Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to the Heart of Poker sponsored by 8 8 Poker, a podcast that looks at the heart and soul of the players that we root for in our version of the beautiful game. I use a slightly modified list of the questions from the 36 questions to fall in love study. These were developed by psychologists 25 years ago as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time is Xuan Lu, professional poker player for many years, Chinese born and a fellow Canadian. She's earned millions at the poker table, both cash and tournaments. And now she's also an instructor and board member for the company Poker Power. Thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate being able to get you on. I know the World Series has been very busy for most poker players. Thank you so much, Kara. I feel so privileged uh, that you think of me in this situation. I know I've been out of the poker scene for a while, so um, yeah, been really special to be here. Oh, I'm. I mean, I've been following your career for pretty much as long as I've been in poker, I think as well. And I'm really interesting to see you kind of step away from poker and then coming back. And then most recently, like I said, with Poker Power, it's um, a relative newcomer to the industry. And I've been seeing it kind of absolutely everywhere at the moment in print, you know, articles about it and, and, you know, women playing as instructors and people who are taking the courses as well at the World Series of Poker. And so their mission is helping women use poker playing skills to progress in other fields. And that's really interesting to me. So I'm curious to know from your point of view, what has working with them been like for you? You know what? It's been an absolutely incredible experience. Um, I was kind of jaded towards poker for a few years before I discovered them. And they've just completely hung throughout the lifeline for me in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I wake up every morning with purpose and I can't wait to, you know, help get more women into the game. And um, they've helped me meet so many fantastic women um, who are so motivated, so inspirational. Um, I couldn't say enough good things about Poker Power. So are you actually seeing kind of the impact of using these skills, which I mean, clearly you've been using in your life and I've been using in my life as well for, you know, over a decade. Are you seeing the impact on other women who are taking the courses? I would say so. Um, mm -hmm. I've had so many um, honest testimonials from my uh, students who, you know, were with me from day one, who were perhaps a little meek and shy and, you know, um, <laughs> hesitant to be aggressive. Um, but after me drilling it into their heads over and over again, that it's okay to, you know, make mistakes and, and um, show aggression. No one's going to use that against them. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually they, they start telling me stories like how the, um, it's helped them, be able to stick their neck out in negotiating um, for things and other aspects of their life, um, you know, and just like really uh, reprioritize like what's important to them and how they want to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. Are these some of the things that poker has taught you as well? Like, would you say they're some of the biggest lessons that you've picked up from the game? Oh, definitely. Um, even though I got into the game when I was super young, um, I've always found poker to be an outlet to keep pushing my own comfort zones um mm. to fly stereotypes um and you know just just put everything else in my life aside and and uh focus on the decision i have in front of me at the poker table mm -hmm. you know i always kind of wish that i'd gotten into poker or back into poker kind of i played a lot as a little kid but i wish i'd gotten into it younger you know, uh, from when I, about 15 years ago, I really got into poker and I did 
learn so much. I have learned so much through the game. And there are so many times in my life pre-poker where I could look back and think I really could have used, you know, some of these skills. And for me, I think if I, if I had to put one kind of realization or skill that I've learned from the game, I think it's that, um, like making mistakes is not always a bad thing, you know, or losing is not always a bad thing. And sometimes, you know, in poker, obviously you're going to lose, even if you do the right thing and learning how to just kind of adjust that in my head to say, well, it's not failure. You know, it's one hand you pick up, you learn from it, you move on. Or if you didn't do anything wrong, you know, you just pick up and you move on. And I, that's something that I've really loved having in my life for the last 15 years, I think. Yeah, I couldn't so, agree with you more. Uh, okay. So we're going to get into some pretty personal questions here. They're broken into three sets. Uh, are you ready? Are you ready for this? I know I sent these over to you. So <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Okay. Let's start with one. Um, do you believe in love at first sight? Um, I think I'm a little older now. And so I believe mm -hmm. in lust at first sight, most definitely. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I think I probably use the word love more generally than other people. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe in love at first sight in terms of if I see some somebody I don't know do something very noble or interact mm -hmm. um, with someone else in a way that really touches my heart, I can fall in love with that person. But it's not like I'll drop everything in my life to try to be with that person. You know, um, right? I'll just have very fond feelings towards them. Well, it's probably a good thing that comes with age as well. <laughs> Not wanting to drop everything in your life, um, you know, at the off chance of being with a person. Mm -hmm. I think that probably comes with a little bit of experience. Um, oh, yeah. For me, I think you're right. Lust at first sight happens. Like it happens all the time to people all over the world. But I don't know. I feel like love at first sight is almost... Not a cop out because I know people honestly do fall in love at first sight, and I am I'm not trying to disparage that at all. But it just feels like you know love and connection actually does take work, and so the idea of love at first sight is kind of like a it's like a shortcut. Like these questions, <laughs> it's a shortcut to intimacy, really, and it might not have as much kind of underpinning it. I can know for me that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, and it's very superficial if you think about it. You you know nothing. Mm. You know, next to nothing about the person. You don't know what their day to day is like. You don't know what drives them. How can you fall in love with them right away? Yeah, and I think when we first meet people, or even just first see people, I'm beginning to realize myself that a lot of what I see in other people, you know, if I'm not sitting down and having a really long conversation with them, and I'm just kind of seeing them across a room, what I'm seeing in them is also kind of a reflection of all of my own history and all of my own past experiences. And they might look like somebody I used to know, or they might be holding themselves in a certain way. And so it's almost more about me, I would think. This whole idea of love at first sight, you know, meeting eyes across a room, it has kind of less to do with the person because you don't really know them at that point. Absolutely. You're really just projecting all the stuff that you have within you onto this person who's a completely yeah. blank slate. Um, mm. you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it crashes and burns, just, <laughs> you know, it's almost unfair. Yeah. Okay. Well, as a poker player, I'm curious to know if you have any superstitions that you just can't shake. Cause I know poker players do tend to fall into two camps on this. And most of them that I speak to obviously don't really have superstitions, but it can be hard to shake some. So I wouldn't exactly call it uh, superstition, even though like I go through the motions because there's, you know, it's a, it's a free roll, right? 
yeah. nothing bad happens if I put my left shoe on first or if I say rather rather <laughs> the first of every month because those are just things I've been doing since I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I'll jokingly attribute bad luck to it if I happen to forget doing one of those things, but mm-hmm. um, it's not deeply ingrained in me that these are must-dos. Right. Okay. What would your best friend say is your worst habit? Oh boy. Um, my worst habits probably have something to do with like over promising and, and not being able to say no enough or just like, like mismanaging my time in a way that I always have the best intentions, um, mm-hmm. but end up, you know, not having the resources and energy to do everything I want to do for everybody I want to in my life. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, our time is finite. How do you, how do you prioritize, especially when, I mean, you and I don't know each other that well, but I would say you're probably the kind of person where if your friends have asked you for something, you would do it. Like you would probably put yourself out to do those things. That would be my, maybe that's my projection, but I would say that seems like the person that I see in you. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's you know kind of why I'm so particular about who I let into my close circle. Um, mm. I'm very lucky that my immediately my immediate friends and family, um, you know, are very understanding and not demanding at all of my time and energy. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is about you? You know, your character, the way you grew up, maybe that drives you towards success. Because it seems like you have been quite driven. I mean, in poker as well, in the beginning as well, and you know, the at university, all of those. Hmm. Um, I would say that while early on in my career, I was quite driven. Um, it was mostly like kind of a challenge to myself to see if I could reach a certain level of success. Hmm. Um, however, these days, I think um, most of my goals aren't, um, they're definitely not like monetary. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there's absolutely nothing wrong with you know, having that as a benchmark for success. Um, in fact, I, I think I, I don't do it enough and should probably have a healthier relationship with money and such that I should make more monetary goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think things that drive me most towards success is um, just always been independent um, and a very um, introverted person that if I don't see myself to accomplishing, I guess, more traditional, um, social, socially acceptable milestones that I, it's, if I'm like having a bad day, it's really hard for me to grasp onto a solid sense of Mm self-worth almost. I guess that's just like a roundabout way of saying, you know, I need something to measure like how my life is going. Right. Um, Yeah. It's interesting that you chose poker. I mean, you were clearly really good at it and it was something that re- you really enjoyed. Do you think that you were at all drawn to kind of the, you know, the atypical nature of it? The fact that it's really not the socially acceptable way of succeeding, especially, you know, 10 years ago, I'd say. Oh, definitely. Um, mm. I think I've always sort of defied stereotypes and um, being born and growing up in China during the one child policy. Um mm. I naturally gravitated towards, you know, having tomboyish tendencies and sort of like proving to everyone that I can, you know, grow up and support my parents, like 
boys can and not just have to be docile yeah. and complacent. Um, so I was always sort of looking for opportunities to, to push those boundaries and prove myself. Um, and also, I, you know, both my grandmas are very strong-willed um, who had tremendous influence in my life. And um, mm-hmm. even though they didn't have similar outlets as me, um, I I wouldn't put it past them that if they grew up in my generation, that they would also be, you know, independent poker playing. Uh, nice. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I think I think my grandmother would have if she'd had the chance as well. So yeah, it's kind of nice to think of her in that way, actually. Um, okay, are you a singer? When did you last sing, either to yourself or to someone else? I'm definitely not a singer in the traditional sense. Um, I've had like awful, awful stage fright for most of my life. But I'm happy to say that even with limited alcohol these days, I absolutely <laughs> love going to karaoke. Um, with nice. Friends and family. Yeah. What's your go-to? What What do you like to sing? You know what? I love 90s R&B. Um, so singing oh, yeah. stuff like Brian McKnight or like Alanis Morissette. Um, not that that's R&B, but... Um, that no, voice to men. Well, so, you know, represent. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we're almost finished the first section here. Just a couple more. They do get a little bit more difficult. This one's kind of dark, actually. Um, do you have any secret hunch about how you'll die? Apologies, not my question, but there you go. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I'm fairly confident that I will be dying in my sleep, surrounded by loved ones. Oh. Well, that's beautiful. Nice. Well, what for? What in your life do you feel most grateful at this point? Um, I know it's super cheesy, but every day I wake up and I'm just like super appreciative of where I am right now and the things mm-hmm. I have and the journey that's brought me here. And it's yeah, and I've felt like that at most stages in my life and it's when I haven't felt like that when I wake up in the morning that I know there needs to be a drastic change Mm -hmm. do you find it easy to make that change once you're aware of it or is it something that you kind of you know turn over and over in your mind for a long time um honestly it's never easy um I've definitely had to make some tough decisions about that but um the lesson I learned that's helped me most was that your body knows. Um, right. Yeah. So there was a period of time where I was you know, getting sick a lot and I would just be constantly stressed and tensed and, you know, tiptoeing around and just being flustered and so unsure of myself. And um, I, there was just no way I could live that like that for a long time. And so I had yeah. to completely remove myself in the situation. Did you find that after you did make the, you know, the big change that you needed to, that does it make you kind of put stock in your own intuition more? Because I think for a lot of people, the really hard thing, they can see that a change needs to happen, but it's kind of hard to back yourself. It's hard to back your gut sometimes and listen, like you say, to your body and, and do the things that need to be done. And I feel like making those choices kind of makes it easier the next time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, honestly, I am still learning to trust the sense of my intuition, and sometimes it's mm. absolutely scary. Like the, 
the outcomes I get when I'm actually, you know, just focused and present and and listening to that. Um, so I, I have no problem trusting my intuition. The problem I do have is I'm also such like a logical thinker sometimes that I can rationalize a lot of things as well. Mm. Um, and while I love, you know, the options that people and especially women have um, in today's day and age, um, I'm also a, I also have problems with decision paralysis. Um, you know, when we do have too many options, um, sometimes right. it's, it's hard to know if the route, the exact route you're going is the most optimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we don't have that crystal ball. It'd be so nice to be able to look forward at all the different paths, you know, see all the forks, what happens with all of the decisions. Yeah, that would be an incredible ability to have. Um, and the, the last question in this set of questions is actually, if you could wake up tomorrow with any one quality or ability, what would it be? One quality or ability? Um, hmm. I guess it would, it might have to do with related to the crystal ball aspect, just be completely confident mm -hmm. that um, I'm doing what's best for myself. Um, as selfish as that sounds, obviously to a certain extent, I have no problem being selfless. It's just, um, mm -hmm. you know, historically it's, I almost, because I know it's so easy for me to be selfless in relationships mm -hmm. that I'm, must protect myself so I don't go down a path that's you know hard to reverse to do yeah no I hear you and when I say oof at the whole selfless thing I just think I think that some people are called on or expected to be a little more selfless in relationships um I would say traditionally women tend to serve that role in relationships and it can be really difficult you know um yeah and I think maybe we do need to be more selfish, just generally people, not even just women, but just generally to be a little selfish in terms of making sure that things do serve us instead of always trying to make sure they serve the other person and not in a bad way. I, I think selfish kind of gets a bad rap in those terms. I mean, you don't want to do something that's going to hurt someone, obviously, but, you know, always making sure that you're in the right place for you. I think that's, I think we've gotten away from that. I think that we, um, we say that that's not a good quality or trait a lot of the time whereas I would say I think it is actually yeah I think like with most things there has to be that fine balance right um some right. days I feel guilty about prioritizing myself and other days I, I feel like I'm not doing that enough so yeah yeah that's life I guess <laughs> I'm definitely stuck in that myself mm -hmm. um okay if you could change anything about the way that you were raised what would it be not the way that I was raised. Um, so my parents had quite a contentious divorce process that lasted many years, and they were both immigrants mm. in a fresh new country. So, you know, obviously there was a lot of conflict there. Um, but I would say I wish I could go to that point in time and, like, soothe my parents and let them know that I'm going to be just fine. Oh. Um, because I think that would also make their jobs a lot easier and mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's got to be incredibly difficult not just divorce with a child but 
being new in a new country as well. That's a whole other layer of difficult, I'm sure, for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does it affect the way like that you look at relationships now? Do you think having come from a, like a family with divorce? Yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if a lot of my independence um, and drive for it is because at, there's some deep-rooted belief in me that just like doesn't really think monogamy works. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, uh, you know, it definitely is fine and good for many people, but I'm not sure if it's completely for me. Just right. I don't have a lot of role models that have, um, you know, monogamous relationships who've stayed together for a long time who are happy. Yeah. Um, there aren't a lot of role models. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, generally, <laughs> mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, yeah, very true. But I think, I think you know, hopefully um, in the next generation, there will be happier marriages because once they see that as like not the only way to live your life and, and mm -hmm. be in a relationship, then the people who do end up getting married um, tend to do it for better reasons and stay together. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so. I hope so, at least. Huh. <laughs> Is there anything that you've dreamed about doing for a really long time, but you haven't done yet? Um, I would say that when I was young, I used to think that I would own a house, sorry, own a boat and live on a boat oh. or like an apartment or a house. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I haven't done, just like sleep on a houseboat um, and wow. travel like that. So, Do you think you will? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. I started learning to sail when I moved to Vancouver last year but um, oh wow yeah still a very big noob no <laughs> um but yes eventually when I have a block of time where there's no poker and I can just completely right. unwind and not you know be worried about not being productive mm -hmm. yeah well I can tell you that um when you do get your skipper's license you're mm -hmm. going to be in great demand with your friends because uh <laughs> years ago when I lived in England we had two friends who both had their skipper's license and so that's what we would do for holiday a few times we would go like 10 of us or maybe more we'd get one or two boats and kind of take a week and go to whatever Italy or Greece or you know and I think those are probably the the most enjoyable happy fun times of my life just being on a boat with you know 10 friends and I always felt bad for the skippers because they literally had to do all of the <laughs> sailing work and we were all just like way with a beer going or whatever <laughs> Uzo. and um yeah so just be ready <laughs> see I love hearing that and you know that's exactly it the reason I want to be able to live on a boat is not just because you can completely unplug you know when you're on the water but also you can just provide such a cool fun experience for your, your loved ones right yeah it, it's just so I don't know it felt like such a unique thing to be able to do it felt in a way like the whole summer camp idea you know we were all sharing rooms I was staying with one of my girlfriends and we had this tiny little bunk where it was so small that our feet were kind of at this, like it was shaped like a triangle. So our feet were like pressed together and we just, it was fun. It was like being at summer camp again. And I don't think I'm ever going to forget. So yeah, if you ever do decide to do that, I call <laughs> one of the bunks. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, okay. So what's the greatest accomplishment in your life? Oh, um, 
accomplishments, accomplishments. I would say it's like still being happy and pretty content despite mm-hmm. all the things that sort of happened. Yeah. Um, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. valid thing to be proud of for sure. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So what's one of your most treasured memories? Do you have kind of like a mental happy place that you can go to? Um, treasured memories. Probably when I was a child and my grandma's bleeding to me before bedtime. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I felt the safest. And, yeah. And uh, happiest as you're learning. And, yeah. And using your imagination. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. What's one of your worst memories? I'd say maybe when my sister was in high school, um, there was a day she kind of fainted and I had to like call 911 and, um, you know, my mom was there hysterical. That that was a really scary time for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't deal with the thought of, you know, losing my sister or any of my loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? See, these questions really do get pointed. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty big one. Um, uh, so um, my dad remarried. I have, you know, my biological mother and my stepmother who's been in my life mm. since I was seven. Um, it, they're both good complicated people um mm-hmm. i definitely have a contentious relationship with my biological mother um, you know she was brought up at a time where um, divorce force wasn't really a thing and her dad wasn't in her life um, and yeah my grandma actually put him in jail for having a whole other family uh, wow. right when they outlawed uh, polygamy um Oof. after the communists came into power Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she she's had a lot of uh, issues dealing with her emotions, and um, mm-hmm. you know how she shows up in the world. And she she loves me and has tried to be a good mother um, throughout her life, uh, but you know we're not armed with these skills, especially if we don't have um, people to go to look up to for that um so yeah I haven't spoken to my mother in a few years actually since my wedding um but but I still love her and it's not that I I don't want to speak to her I just been through a lot in the past few years and so Mm -hmm. um I really needed that time to myself without her interfering um right yeah um my stepmom's like one of the sweetest most lovely humans ever (laughs) very very different um, mm-hmm. I love her she she takes care of my dad and um, yeah I couldn't say more good yeah. things about her mm-hmm. well, if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about something you know your life your past what you're talking about now something that already happened or your future what would you want to know if I have kids and if I'm married and especially if I'm happily married Right. That'd be a great thing to be able to, <laughs> to know before. Yeah. I mean, if you could like 
patent that. If there was a way to like shake a magic eight ball that would tell you the answer to that question. Man, there'd be a lot fewer marriages too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. If you knew in one year that you were going to die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you're living now? Definitely change a few things. Um, My Mm -hmm. day-to-day these days is like pretty career focused, I would say. Obviously, if I was dying next year, I wouldn't care about building um, that Mm -hmm. skill set and um, trajectory. Um, Obviously, spend more time with your loved ones. um, Be on the water. Try, Mm -hmm. you know, reserve some assets for family, but to spend the rest of it. Have a good time. So when you say kind of uh, focusing on your career, how does that look for you right now at this point in your life? Yeah, so um, I am playing a little bit of poker. Like during mm-hmm. WSOP this year, I played I played five or six events. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, I've been working with the WPT um, and the parent company of uh, Poker Kings on a special project. Um mm. Yeah, uh, that I'm really excited about. I'm learning a lot about, you know, being in the, um, doing the business uh, aspect um, of the business, projects, managing, um, and working on a lot of my leadership skills as well. As well. Um, and, of course, my, my role with uh, Poker Power, teaching women how to play poker, mm-hmm. um, and being on the board, yeah. Huh. So the pivot kind of towards looking at it from the business side, are you enjoying that? Is it kind of striking a different chord, but like something that you enjoy? Definitely. Um, because like, especially when I was um, getting out of poker, mm-hmm. uh, gradually, you know, many years ago, um, I didn't feel completely challenged anymore because I didn't set specific goals for myself. Um, These days I have very specific measurable goals and, um, you know, everything's more formal. Um, I, you know, it's a mix of like a desk job, but also a lot of um, interpersonal interactions. Um, And I just feel like, yeah, it's kind of a dream job for me right now. And Mm -hmm. I feel super uh, privileged to be given this opportunity. And um, I've been taking, you know, executive leadership courses and programs and things like that. So I, I absolutely love learning. And uh, and I, I love the stability aspect of it, to be completely honest. You know? oh, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had part-time jobs when I was younger, but I didn't really have like a salary the way I do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's one thing about poker. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, stable in those mm-hmm. terms. I mean, you can, uh, just because of variance even. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for the game itself, but um, I'm very negative um, towards people doing it for a living at, or as right. their primary source of income. Yeah. Well, not many people can. That's mm-hmm. the That's the basic truth of that for sure. I mean, it's not nearly as many people, I think, as believe they can. (laughs) So, yeah, I've always been myself. I've never been a professional poker player, but I've kind of played on the professional circuit. And 
Um, and people always used to say to me, like they'd call me in interviews, they'd say professional poker player. And I'd say, no, I've never been a professional poker player. Like I, I literally have never, I am a broadcaster who loves the game, who plays recreationally and for a while played at, you know, a much higher level than I do now, but I just don't, I don't have the skill set. And I knew that from having interviewed so many professionals and, and seeing how much work it took. Like it wasn't even just not good at poker versus good at poker. It was like the enormous amount of work and study and discipline, um, self-discipline in terms of like lifestyle, all of those things. And then bankroll management, all of that on top of it. And looking at it in those terms, like I think for a lot of people who wish they could be professional poker players, they don't quite see the entire picture because it's not as, you know, glamorous as it looks from the outside. Would you say that's fair? Oh, definitely. You've hit it on the nail. Um, in addition to that, like they might hear things about downswings and, and stuff like that, but they don't mm. feel it viscerally. You, it's right. almost impossible to, unless it's actually happening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously if they have, you know, other money uh, or investments to fall back on, then it's, you know, you can get to the office day in and day out and play your mm-hmm. best game. But if you don't have that, it's, it's really tough to do just that. And, and yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I am hesitant to call myself a professional poker player, like mm-hmm. at any stage of my career. And it's like, really? people, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, when I, when I had the, um, like the mainstream sponsorship deals and things like that, I didn't really right. have a choice, but um, it's like, how, how do you differentiate that? Like, even though yeah. I was kind of a pro and that was where I got most of my money. I, I really wasn't mm-hmm. playing that many hours. And when I was putting in a lot of hours, when I first started playing poker, um, I was definitely not a pro because I was still in school and, you know, right. doing other things as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, even these days, I sure I'm playing a lot of poker at um, a high level, but it's, definitely not taking up most of my time. Right. Yeah. There's so many different metrics that you could use to measure the, like, is this person a pro or not? It, that, that (laughs) does make it really difficult. Yeah. Like you say, how much time are you spending on it? The levels that you're playing, but then there's a lot of recreational players who love to play recreationally and play at the highest levels in the world. So yeah, it's kind of difficult to say. Hmm. Okay. All right. The third and last set of questions here, and it starts off with a real belter. Um, have you ever been truly terrified? It would be the same answer um, as the experience mm. of my sister. And, you know, it's also not like nothing to talk about, but I've been there for a lot of domestic violence in my family as well. And mm. um, it, even in my adulthood. So it's, Right. Yeah. Even though I love my family and it's the closest thing to me, it, it's it kind of sucks when you can't find comfort and security um, in that yeah. network. Yeah, and it's something that stays with you. I think even through, you know, uh, you know, therapy and all of that, <laughs> it's a, at least a certain amount. I mean, I would say, it certainly does stay. Yeah. So what do you value most in a friendship? We were talking earlier in uh, right at the beginning, you were talking about how small your circle of friends is and how careful you are about, you know, who's allowed in. What do you value most in those people? And do they share any kind of similarities among them? 
these points are I value the most. Um, I value kindness the most mm-hmm. and respect for other people's time and energy. Um, so, you, you know, you don't have to be an accomplished person. You don't have to, right. um, you know, have certain goals and even, but, um, yeah, just being a, and, and when I was younger, this was quite different, right? When I first got into poker, I tried to make every friend I could and was a super social butterfly. And um, <laughs> I, I definitely treasure those times. But um, these days, I, I think it's just really important for me to only let in people who I know aren't going to take advantage of mm-hmm. my time and energy. Um, and, and yeah, who just, I mean, you just kind of know, like, people who are nice to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Kindness is so underrated, I think, as a as a trait in people, whether it's friends or partners or bosses, all of those. I just, for me, I think you're right. Kindness is right at the top of my list for, it's actually, and it's also at the bottom. Like, if you don't pass that bar, <laughs> you don't get in because that's too important. And like, I know that there are a lot of people who have that kind of really dark kind of sense of humor and they like to poke fun at other people. And I just, it makes me really uncomfortable, honestly. And I know that's, you know, a whole other kind of person and and they're happy with who they are. But for me, I don't know, you can't be comfortable making someone else feel bad. And for me to trust you, I think maybe that's it. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, yeah. However, I would have to say that because I've been, you know, I grew up with so many awkward, intelligent people who do right. quote unquote mean well. Like I, yeah. I can, you know, I have more forgiveness for that exact aspect. Um, actually, I was listening to your podcast with Ebony, and she's so inspirational. And one thing that she's sort of like. Um, like I've always known, but she sort of brought more to the surface is like not making space or making yourself smaller so that other people can be comfortable or do whatever they want to do. And that's definitely something I still need to work on, which is why I'm so protective of my personal space and energy, because I still just end up letting people do what they want and make those Mm -hmm. bad jokes, you know, (laughs) definitely better than I used to be. Right. Me too. And I have a long way to go. And I mean, when you, when you say that about Ebony, I, that is definitely one of my favorite kind of interviews. And I really love what she is doing. And she's so, she's so proud and it makes me look at her and go, oh, I could be that too. You know, like she's just got this very well-deserved pride in who she is. And I love that. I, I just think I wish so many more women could and me included, kind of just really embrace that. I think it's amazing and inspirational, like you say, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, both yeah. of you, you just have this air of confidence and, and positive energy yeah. to you. Well, I appreciate that. The last couple of years have been pretty difficult for me in terms of confidence, but I am, uh, I'm definitely working through it. Would, <laughs> you, say, whole... would mm-hmm. you say it's a lot related to um, having a child? Oh yeah. Incredibly related to that, especially having a child Mm -hmm. and then having a pandemic. Um, it's difficult because parenting and motherhood, motherhood in particular can be 
very all consuming, Mm -hmm. but then to not have, you know, external help or family around or any of that, and then still try to be working on top of that and doing it all from home. And yeah, the pandemic really, it kind of rocked my world. And as much as I love watching everyone get back to their lives and watching the world series from the sidelines back here in Italy, was great. I mean, I totally am cheering everybody on. I do kind of wish I was able to get back to my life. And unfortunately, we're in a situation where health situations in the family mean that we have to be a lot more careful than most people. So I can't. (laughs) So I mean, I'm kind of still stuck. I mean, not in the house, thankfully, but, you know, still in a in a foreign country (laughs) without any people. So yeah, it's been it's been a real difficult road the last couple of years and I'm hoping it gets easier. I'll be honest, I'm I'm just at the point where I'm just hoping right now that it gets easier because it's not it's not great. I'll be honest. But you know, it's all a learning experience and my kid is amazing, which helps. <laughs> she is like an entirely sweet and kind and funny and interesting three year old, but I'd also like adult friends. So you know <laughs> like in person adult friends would be nice. Yeah. Well, Karen, I'm sure there's always a role for you, you know, in poker and at the WSOP. So we're just all waiting for your arrival back. Yeah, I hope so. I just hope I'm going to actually be able to get out and do things that's seeming like kind of farther and farther away. But I know that as the world is changing and getting back to itself, it, it will also come. It's just a matter of being patient and I've learned a lot about being Zen over the last couple of years and just like that whole, like, if you can't change it, you've got to let it go. (laughs) You know, you can only affect the things you can affect and putting all of my energy into either regretting things that I literally can't change or trying to think of new ways to get through whatever, you know, it's just not worth it. That's better to kind of tunnel in to where I am, do the best I can with, you know, you know, where I am, what I have and yeah, be the best mom that I can be. And, and that's kind of been my focus, but I mean, we got a babysitter for the first time (laughs) for the first time a couple of weeks ago. So this is like a whole game changer for me. So maybe my life does change now. That would be nice. So there, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm kind of excited myself and yeah, I'm, I'm wary (laughs) of things looking like they're going to get better, but I am also hopeful. So I'm trying to hold on to that kind of hopefulness. Um, All right. Next question. When did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? I mean, I was getting teary thinking about some of these questions you just asked me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, when I was younger, I used to like take it as a point of pride that I never cried. Um, Mm -hmm. But I actually think it demonstrates a lot more strength to be able to let yourself cry. Um, yeah. And I cry all the time now. I'll, you know, 100% watching a Disney movie, I'll, I'll cry. Um, huh. Yeah. yeah They're just, really, they really get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, while we're PMSing. So. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. I mean, you should, probably shouldn't, shouldn't be watching them at that time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so are you the kind of person who dwells on mistakes or embarrassing moments, or are you the person who just lets them go? Um, I think I used to dwell on it a lot. Um, these days I probably let it go and then just have nightmares about it later. You know, you know how we have those reoccurring dreams about something embarrassing we said and like 
fifth grade or something. <laughs> so that stuff will come up still once in a while. Um, less frequent now. Um, I don't know. I, I think there needs to be a fine balance between, because if I let it go too quickly, then you're not really learning from the experience. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And when I was, you know, in my most rebellious phases, I, I think I definitely just like charged forward instead of mm-hmm. pause and readjust and learn. Right. Again, one of those things that kind of comes with experience and age, I guess. When you see the the what actually happens, what the results of charging ahead can usually be. Yeah. Well, that was actually the last question on my list there. That's our 45 minutes done. How was that for you? That was lovely. Um, great therapy session. Let me know what your demo <laughs> is. Well, it's uh, kind of been a therapy session for me, I would say, in the last 10 minutes. So thanks for asking that question. I'm not usually quite opening up myself that much, but I guess it's a uh, turnabout is fair play. I do ask some pretty tough questions, so it's only fair to answer some too. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your experience, Kara. I think not to make, you know, your situation seem worse or be more stressed about it, but that's probably my greatest fear right now that, you know, mm. I do become a mother that I, you know, have all these challenges and mm-hmm. it takes a, a lot longer to get back to, you know, myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think being surrounded by people who know you and love you is so key. And I just, I just unfortunately didn't have that because I was in a foreign country. So, you know, that was, I, I think you'd be a great mom. And honestly, I think you are probably surrounded by people that, you know, I know some of your friends and they're awesome people. So uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'd remind you exactly who you are. Thank you so much. Here. All right. Well, Thank you for coming on, for opening up and being, you know, so honest with us. And um, thank everybody out there for listening. I hope you all feel like you know the person behind the cards and the results even better now. Join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker.